0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. So we established in week one, and we've kind of revisited this concept over the last uh, couple of months, guys, that wisdom, the purest definition of wisdom is having the skill to love life according to God's design. So when you hear the word wisdom, it's like, I, I know that God throughout the pages of scripture, and specifically as we ponder Proverbs, he has given us skill to do life in such a way according to his design. Biblical wisdom is the ability to make decisions, make the right choices that glorify God. So James said, if any man among you likes wisdom, any woman, let him ask of God who gives to all people freely and generously. Reality is, each and every one of us like wisdom. We need wisdom. We need God's insight in how to do life, and God has made that available. Now here's a premise statement. We live in a world that is contaminated with sin, When we were born into this world, the Bible says that the world is sick, it's deceitful, it's evil. So every one of us, when we were born into this world, this is a contaminated world. The universal language is suffering. It doesn't matter where you go, who you talk to, you're going to hear pain, you're going to hear sorrow. And there's so many different germs and infections and diseases and viruses that are spread throughout our world. And... Just over the last months, I got introduced to a new disease called CF. I didn't know what it was, but when my little girl Hannah, back on April 3rd, was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis as she was there at the Mayo Clinic for over two weeks, I was like, what is this? And because it's a genetic uh, disorder possibly, we knew that we had to get Caleb tested, and he tested positive for cystic fibrosis. We thought Barb had battled asthma and just different things over the years only to find out that she has cystic fibrosis. It's like, what what does that mean? It's a thickening of the mucus inside the lungs and it causes a lot of breathing difficulty and these two little ones of mine, I mean, every day they've got this vest, this special vest that's hooked to a machine and every morning. And every evening, twice a day for a half hour, they have to do this shaking thing to try to loosen up their lungs, and they have to do uh, breathing treatments every morning and every night. And I look and go, wow, that's a sickness. And I didn't know much about that one. But that's what they have to do every day, morning and night, for the rest of their journey, unless there's some divine healing that takes place. But we get all this stuff around us, right? Barb battles sinus infections. It's germs. It's diseases. It's infections. There's cancer, there's malaria, there's the West Nile, there's mad cow, there's AIDS, and the beat goes on when you hear about all the diseases and infections and germs that circulate on our planet. As a result, there's a lot of people in this room that are germ freaks, if you will. Hey, make sure you wash your hands. Hey, do you have hand sanitizer in your bag? And reality is a lot of us are trying to fight a war against Just the plagues that infect humanity. Reality is and the truth is I believe we should pay more attention even to the spiritual toxins and the spiritual infections and the spiritual diseases that can disrupt your walk with God and hinder your effectiveness as you walk out the faith with Jesus Christ. Now, if you go back and study the Middle Ages, some six, 700 years ago, the pastors got together and as they were doing research and just pondering the culture of that day, they identified what they call the seven deadly sins. And they believed that these seven sins carried toxins and diseases and ruins and spoils in such a way that it would disrupt your walk with God and potentially even contaminate the church. And I started looking at this like, man, this was some 700 years ago as they write this stuff out. It's like, what were the seven deadly sins? One, laziness. Two was lust. Man, those things are prominent today. Anger, pride, envy, gluttony, greed. And the battle... That the church was facing some 700 years ago, those manifestations and sicknesses and, if you will, spiritual toxins and viruses still hit our church today. Now, stop. Laziness. What comes into your mind when you hear that word? I said what word, not what person. What comes to your mind when you hear the word lazy? There's other words that we would exchange in there like apathy or idle or slothful or sluggard, according to what translation of the scripture you're reading, but lazy. So, as I'm going through Proverbs 26, picking up in verse 13, I want you to hear this. The lazy claims there's danger in the road, there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so, the lazy person just turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand but won't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. I started thinking about lazy and apathetic and lethargic and idle and sluggard and slothful, and I was like, the lazy are addicted to comfort. Man, I just want everything comfortable. They're experts in making excuses and avoiding responsibility and accountability. Winners have results, but the losers and the lazy always have excuses. They have reasons. The reason all hell's breaking loose, there's a reason behind it. Lazy people create systems to avoid work and almost justify doing nothing. Study the lazy. They have all the answers, even based on this Proverbs. They're know-it-alls. And can I tell you something? You deal with a person who is apathetic, lazy, who is slothful, and they're fatiguing to be around. Throughout the pages of Proverbs and throughout the pages of Scripture, you study it, you read it. There's all this teaching or thought given toward laziness, slothfulness, The purest biblical definition of laziness is defined this way, one who does not like to work, one who finds activity or effort distasteful. I'm reading that going, man, that's lazy. You find work, you find activity, you find giving an effort is being distasteful. Lazy, it means to avoid that which requires physical or mental effort. So I started doing research. I've never done a message on laziness before and I'm like man that's what proverbs hits repeatedly and I want to study this. I want to focus on it. So I was reading this article by Sean Lim. He wrote an article called Common Signs of Laziness and so he mentions quite a few things. I've got seven here that I'll I'll hit you with but I thought this was fascinating. Laziness. You spend too much time on TV, watching TV or too much time on social media. I, I Know about you, but I'm not really sure what redemptive value long term I've ever got by paying attention to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or any of that crap. Let me just go on and say that to you, young, young, young generation. Uh, let me go ahead and, and just get the cat out of the bag. I'm not really sure how much growth opportunity exists when you spend too much time there. People say, oh man, he's just a couch potato. That's a fancy word of saying he's lazy. I don't know how many episodes of Seinfeld can actually change your life. I know Springer has nothing to offer. Oprah and Dr. Phil is not going to really change your life. But there's so many people that are addicted to just sitting around and watching TV or staying on social media. Second thing he said is, you delay doing work until the last minute. Y'all be careful and don't elbow each other too hard today because my view is beautiful today. But Rick, when he said that, I'm like, yeah. You give yourself excuses for not exercising. Come on, y'all stay with me this morning. I want to encourage y'all eventually. Here's another one. You don't set goals and you have no plan for the future. I don't know of any person that planned to be broke, fat, lazy, and stupid, but those things happen when you don't have a plan, because they say, failing to plan. Five, you don't read books, or you never finish the ones you start I had a prof tell me, a person who does not read will always be at the mercy of one who does. I'll never forget 1989, sitting in that church history class, and he sent that, and I wrote it down, and I'm like, I've got to read, I've got to research, I've got to study, I, I want to know where does this thought come from, or where does this teaching come from, and you've got to study. I-, I was sharing with a friend this week, Acts 1711, I memorized this about a year into my faith. But Acts 17, 11 says those in Berea were much more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica for they examined the Scriptures daily with eagerness to see if what was being taught was truth or not. I'm like, man, i got to read. I've got to study. I don't want to live on borrowed convictions and hand-me-downs. Six, a sign of laziness or slothfulness. Your workplace and living place is a disor- just disorganized and in a mess. Mm, mm, mm. Pick up your shoes and put them away. Fold your clothes. Let's go. This ain't a pig trough right here. This is a house. This is where we live. That's a sign. Seven, you don't take care of your physical appearance. I'm like, walk, stretch, do something. Brush your teeth, brush your hair, put on some clean clothes. Hygiene it, bro. A little deodorant. Come on help the planet (laughs) but signs of slothfulness and laziness I was reading through this going yeah and it's been said that to a lazy man every day is a holiday (laughs) and none of us want to live a slothful lazy life but when you read through the scripture it's like man it talks so much about it Jesus told this story and he, he, he uses this story, this parable, and he says, uh, this guy went out and he, he, he gave this guy five talents, and he gave this one three talents, and he gave this one one talent. And he says, the guy with the five talents, which means God's given you something, use it. Don't compare what somebody else has, but God's given you gifts, and he's given you abilities, and he's given you strengths, and okay, I've given you something, use it. The guy with five goes out, works it. Comes back, he's got 10. The guy with three goes out, works it, comes back, he's got six. The guy with one, he buries it. And Jesus said, that's wickedness when you refuse to do anything with God-given abilities and God-given opportunities. When you bury what I've given you and you don't use it for my glory, that's wicked. That is in contradiction to the heart of heaven. Don't be lazy. Don't waste it. Don't bury it. Don't, don't, don't do that. So laziness is refusing to take advantage of God-given abilities and God-given opportunities. It's lazy. It's wicked. It's sin. Okay, I, I, I don't want to live a lazy life. I, I, I don't want to live as a lukewarm Christian as DeGarmo and Key years ago. I, I want to live a life fired up and faithful to the Lord. Now, as I studied this, laziness, and apathy, and idleness, and being slothful, if you really start to think about it, it's a purpose and priority issue. The person who lives lazy, apathetic, is really saying, I don't know God. It's impossible to say, I know God, and to be lazy. Because I've been created in the image of God, and I am to reflect the image of my God. My God is creative. My God is energetic. My God is constantly encouraging, serve, love, motivate, come alongside others, make disciples. So to sit around and do nothing says, I don't know that God. Because my God said, go into all the world and make disciples. To live a lazy, apathetic, slothful life is to say, "I I don't know that God. Because your life is in contradiction to what you're saying. See, if I know God, I will show God, I will reflect God. And I promise you, it it just says, uh, well, it's a purpose issue. See, my purpose is to know God, enjoy God, glorify God, and worship God. And the priority of my purpose is to go into the world and serve others. But I'll live my purpose, and priority is assignment, saying Go serve Tony Campola I used to read him a lot when I first got saved Campola said laziness is the sin by which we ignore our obligations you see the scripture says to whom much has been given much is going to be required hey I've given you a lot I'm going to require a lot now I want you to steward these assignments that I've given you Billy Graham He said, we have rewarded laziness by calling it welfare. Dr. Graham, what's going on? We reward laziness, and we give it a name to say, you don't have to do anything, we'll take care of you. Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher of old, said, the the most likely man to go to hell is the man who has nothing to do because idle people tempt the devil to tempt them idle people who sit around with no direction no perspective who appear to be living with no purpose idle people tempt the devil to tempt them when you're in the word when you're in prayer when you're in fellowship when you're taking the gospel to the ends of the earth It's hard for the devil to continue to hit you, but when you're sitting around and you're vegging and you're just chilling, an idle mind is the devil's playground. Oh, you just idle. You ain't ain't got nothing going on. Listen to this one. Out of the Message, New Living, Proverbs 24. Starting in verse 30, he says, One day I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. It was overgrown with weeds, with thistles, all the fences broken down. I took a long look and I pondered what I saw. And this field preached the sermon. I, I looked, all these weeds and thistles and thorns and broken down fences and paint flaking off the house. And I looked and I was like, oh, that, 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 that preached the sermon. A nap here, a nap there. A day off here and a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. You know what comes next? You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. This is just Proverbs. Hey, hey, I looked and let me tell you what I saw and what I saw preach the sermon. And and what preached the sermon is people that just lay around and play video games, and, and, and don't have any direction and aim and ambition. Th- those people that entertainment is more treasured than work, and pleasure is more important than living a life of purpose. I looked at them, it was dirt poor, and the permanent house guests was chaos and pain and suffering. And I started thinking through this, it's like the sluggard. The lazy, the apathetic, the idle—they will make excuses on why things can be done tomorrow. Hey, no, no, suave, so mañana, tomorrow. They'll make excuses on why things are not finished. They'll make excuses on why things are too hard to do. Man, that's too hard. It is hard. That's why they call it work. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And one of the things I've noticed with lazy people is that deep down inside they're jealous and they're always blaming something or someone for them just living in stable misery. Well, why is your life not going anywhere? Why are you not doing anything? And, and they're blamers. But here, here's the thing for me. And, and I started thinking through this. Now, I, Please listen. Why do some people choose to function that way? Why do some people live with apathy? Some of us come in here with pain. We got beat up. And and, and let me just say this. All of us have been beat up in this room. If you've been on this planet very long, you've been mistreated, betrayed, and hurt by somebody. So the quicker we can just throw the victim card out of the deck saying, I ain't playing that one no more. We're all victims of sin and chaos. Some of us, I know, our pain can be kind of rough in here. But I, I, I was thinking this week, Kara. I was thinking, why do some people function that way? When did you hit that point where you go, I, I just quit. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm not going to get up anymore. I'm not going to give an effort anymore. Because something had to happen to reach to bring me to a place where I've reached the conclusion. I'm just going to quit. And there's people that have done it in their faith walk. Oh, I I, I got hurt at church. Really? Because you were dealing with a bunch of other people trying to figure it out? Oh, Oh, you thought you were going to a perfect place? No, you were there. It wasn't perfect, bro. As soon as you walked in, you jacked it up too. There's a bunch of us jacked up trying to figure it out. But people quit in their marriages. They just quit. They quit parenting. They quit working. They quit trying. And I'll never forget looking at my one aunt that I was as close to as anybody. And I loved her as much as anybody in my life. I did. I looked at her and I was like, Aunt Loretta, when did you quit? When did you just stop caring? When did you throw the towel in? Why'd you quit living? Why'd you quit getting up and getting after it? Why? And I'll never forget when she died. I just sat there and wept. I'm like, she quit living a long time ago. She just died today. Did y'all hear what I said? There's a lot of people that quit living years ago. They just haven't died yet. But as I said, you were created with a purpose. God created you with design. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. The fingerprint you have is different than anybody else on the planet so that you can leave an imprint that nobody's ever left. You're unique. You're his masterpiece. You're a one-of-a-kind piece of art. I want to win. I, I want to walk by faith. I want to soar. But physical and mental effort require me giving up myself. I've got to die to me. I've been crucified with Christ. I can't live anymore. I've got to live by faith in the Son of God. i got to live by faith. And if I'm ever going to really soar, I've got to confront being selfish. I, I've got to really look at my life and go: self-indulgence will not reign and rule my life anymore. I got to quit. I got to have help. I, I, I got to give my my life away to a bigger cause. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple maker, which means I want to be all I can be and the best I can be for the glory of God, and I want to help others be all they can be and the best they can be for the glory of God. I want to go give myself away to a greater cause. I don't want to live for me. I don't want to live self-centered, but if you're going to really move into the land of freedom and the land of life and joy, you've got to realize it requires effort. It hurts sometimes. As I study through Proverbs, laziness leads to poverty. And I'm not talking about just financial, I'm talking spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. I mean, there's tons of verses that deal with that. And years ago, we started teaching this thing called race R A C E. And I still use this all the time. Where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Do you not know that those who run in a race? they all run. Only one gets the prize. Run the race so that you can win. And I remember as I started teaching this to athletes years ago, there's four things you can control every day, R-E-C-E. You can control your respect. R, respect. I can respect God. I can respect the abilities he's given me. I can respect how he's made me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not trash i, I got to respect God. i got to honor God. Respect God, Tim. And as I respect God, it allows me to respect others. But I can respect the abilities in this temple that he's given me. Respect God. And then A was attitude. Hey, man, you can have an attitude that can help change the room when you walk in it. You can walk in. You don't have to be a thermometer. You can be a thermostat. Set the temperature, brother. Let this mind and attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus Have this attitude, become a servant. And I was like, man, I can control that every day. I can choose to have the right attitude for the glory of God because I'm respecting that God and serve. The C is concentration. I can focus on the assignments at hand. Concentrate, lock in where you're at. Don't be somewhere you're not. This is where you're at, lock in. Be faithful to the assignment that I've called you to. And I started like pondering this stuff and the E is for effort. When the respect is right and the attitude is right, the concentration is right, effort just happens. I don't have to manufacture an effort. You hear people all the time. It'd be like, like a little kid's football game or a little league game. Give me a good effort. Man, they're not respecting the game. They're not respecting anything that you bought them. Their attitude is, I'd rather play with dandelions and watch... There are concentrations all over the map. You think they're going to give a good effort? Their C is not even there. The same thing in our journey. The same thing in our walk. And so when you start to look, you go, man, if I choose to live a life of apathy, idleness, slothfulness, it leads to poverty physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, in all areas. And laziness leads to shame. A disorganized, lazy life? It brings shame on those that depend on you. Man, there's somebody looking up to me today. I can't be slothful. I can't be lazy. Rick and Carrie, as you guys parent for Barb and I, Chad and Elaine, as we go around, you can look going, there's other people looking at me. There's other people depending on me. I got to feed some mouths. I got to buy some diapers. Man, we got stuff we got to do today. I can't sit around and play stinking video games. Candy Crush, my tail. (laughs) You ever played Candy Crush? No. I stopped playing games after Pac-Man. Date yourself, brother. (laughs) But here's the truth. Here's the truth. A disciplined person will look at an obstacle as an opportunity on how to get it done. A disciplined person will see an obstacle as an opportunity, going, All right, Lord, I need insight. Show me a solution on how to get this done. A lazy, apathetic, tired person will look as an obstacle will look at an obstacle for an opportunity to throw the towel in and quit. It's like, stop it. For a disciplined person, they love truth and they love effort you've got to love truth and you've got to love giving an effort a disciplined person you give yourself a hard time for not doing more you will I I could have given more there I I could have given more time I could have given more resources I I, I could have given my heart to that more People that are difference makers for the glory of God will look at situations at times going, I could have given more. Back in the old athletic days, you could have run another sprint. You could have done five more sit-ups. You can give more. Don't you let anybody else outwork you. You give it more. And the same thing applies to our spiritual walk. I could have read more. I could have studied more. That's what Billy Graham said. If he had anything to do over with again, this is like later in his life. He said, I wish I would have read more, wish I would have studied more, and I wish I would have memorized more Scripture. Not that I wish I would have gone out and preached more. I wish I would have spent more time with the Lord. And I started thinking about that, yes. Because we're told in 1 Timothy, discipline yourself to be godly. Allow the disciplines of the Lord and those habits of the Lord. Make sure whatever you're doing, you're doing it to be as godly and Christ-like as you possibly can be. You see, God plucked us out of the ruins of darkness. He's transferred us into the kingdom of light. And his ultimate desire is to conform us and shape us and mold us to look like Jesus. A disciplined person you believe you have a purpose for living and your purpose is to glorify God, you do not believe that the only reason you're on the planet is to work, pay bills, and die one day. And there's so many people that function under that mindset. They live as if, well, I just get up, I go to work, get a paycheck, pay bills, and then one day I'll die. That's not purpose. That is called survival. That is not experience and revival of the heart every day. God goes, I want want you to experience revival. I started thinking, a disciplined person, you would rather be fulfilled and even challenged than just be comfortable. I said, yes, that's true. You will suffer for doing what's right. You will not look for shortcuts of what's advantageous. You want to do what's right for the glory of God. You'll pay a price. You'll take a bullet at times, saying, it's all right. A disciplined person, What pleases God motivates you. When you look at and study scripture and you start to study the will of God and the ways of God, you go, that pleases God, then that motivates me. I'm getting up. I'm getting after it. That's what God says do. Then yes, I'll do it. He he says, if I'm offended, go to that person and say, hey, we got to get this right. He says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If that pleases you, then that motivates me. Another thing is you're willing to make sacrifices to help others succeed. You're you're willing to do things to see others benefit. It's not just about what you can hoard, what you can just keep for yourself. The people that I see winning and experiencing life to the full are constantly others focused. They're walking around saying, how can I make others better? How can I breathe life on this person? What can I give to that person to make a difference? It's effort and it's truth. John 8, you'll know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. Colossians 3, whatever you do, word, deed, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Give that effort. Stay on truth. Come on. So for a disciplined person, it's like, man, I, I, I want to do everything I can for the glory of God. Let me tell you what happens. It's in your bulletin. Change happens. We start to change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. When we look at our life and the pain of staying the same, lying, deceit, whatever it is, SAD, sex, alcohol, and drug bondage. I call them sad things. People, they're just sad. They're using sex, alcohol, and drugs. They're, they're, they're medicating, validating, sedating, whatever they're doing with it. When the pain of staying the same, you look and go, that makes me sick, that nailed the Savior to the cross, that makes me just absolutely disgusted with what I've done with my life. When that is greater than the necessary steps you've got to take to change, you'll go, i got to change. And we want to see every person fully alive. We want to see every person vibrant in their faith. I was going through our prayer cards last week, and, and one person wrote, I'm too embarrassed to put my name down, but I'm in bondage to alcohol. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry that you're too embarrassed to put it down. I'm sorry that you're in bondage, but please come see one of us. See somebody with our recovery group. Let us help you. Don't hide it, cover it, and suppress it any longer. Don't, because if the pain of staying the same is greater, you'll go, I got to come clean on this. No more hiding, no more covering. No more posing and pretending. I can't stay the same. That's when my world got rocked in October of 85, 22. I cannot stay in the sin any longer. I'm sick of being sick. I'm sick of being stuck. I'm sick of drinking like a stinking guppy. I'm sick of this lifestyle. I need to be set free. And the Lord started changing me. So let me say this to you. And this is hopeful. I promise you it is how to overcome laziness and win in life. Come on, we wanna see every person flourish, every person win. Number one, prioritize your personal life. I am starting there. Based on 1 Corinthians 6, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. I don't own myself anymore when it comes to diet when it comes to exercise, when it comes to rest, when it comes to how much water intake I put into my body. Take care of that body. It don't belong to you. Your body is nothing more than the temple of where the Holy Spirit resides now. It's not on an ark of a covenant being pulled into a town. Bam, you're it, brother. I want to be healthy. I want to stay in the game as healthy as I can as long as I can. So the gauges I'm always looking at, PMSES. The physical, mental, the spiritual, the emotional, and the social. Hey, how how you doing physically? How are you eating? What are you putting in your system? You taking care of your body? Do you know your body? Do you know how your blood type is? Are you making sure you do everything you can to stay as strong as you can? I have a physical on Tuesday. Once a year, getting full blood work. Twice a year, to get blood work done, but I'm going in to get everything checked. And my kids laugh because they know my hearing's jacked up and they're gonna test my hearing and go, You know, you can't hear. I, I, I know, I, there's certain sounds I don't wanna hear anymore. <laughs> That's right. Too much Skinner. Well, praise the Lord. Too much Skinner. There's certain sounds I don't even wanna hear anymore. But physically, take care of yourself. Are you sleeping? Are you resting? Are you flushing your system out? Mentally, are you reading? Are you taking care of your mind? What you watch? what you hear, music, whatever. yes. Spiritually, are you staying in the Word? Are you in prayer? Do you have strong accountability? Are you in fellowship with other people? How are you doing spiritually? How are you loving your wife? How are you, how, are you, how are you leading your home? Emotionally, do I have any warning signs that I'm starting to drift or tilt? Follow me, guys? And then socially, who am I hanging out with? Who are my playmates right now? What kind of playgrounds am I going to? How am I doing socially? am I involved in fellowship do I have authentic koinonia going on so I would tell you first and foremost you've got to prioritize and take a look at your life the second thing would be this as I prioritize my life I have to then stop and go I've got to have a vision of who I am in Christ I've got to know who I am in Christ The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about who you are in Christ. Neil Anderson has written so many great things about identity in Christ. Identity drives activity. Because of who I am determines how I live. There's so much stuff. We have documents that we'll send you on just identity in Christ. That God calls me a child. He calls me a saint. He calls me his friend. He calls me all these great things. This is who you are, Tim. You're Saint Tim. So I would really encourage you to have a vision, if you're born again and if you've uh, truly repented, of who you are in Christ. Third thing would be this. I would establish a spiritual growth plan immediately. We have a seven, eight-page document, info at thecrossloganville.org, Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N at thecrossloganville.org. Tim, send me that. Dustin will be on top of that. He wants to help you in every way we can around here. He'll send you that document. Hey, here's a seven. I I sent it to a guy this week. You got to recalibrate, man. You got to get back to a simple spiritual game plan every day. You got to have a spiritual growth plan. And we have those things available. Why? Because we want to see you fully alive. Here's another one for you do one thing at a time. Do one thing at a time. One step at a time. I got to crawl. Then I'll learn how to walk. Then I can learn how to jog. Then I'll learn how to run. Then I'll learn how to sprint. But focus on doing one thing at a time. Don't don't try to be some theologian overnight. Said, hey, man, I'm young in the faith. Then we want to see you crawl and just start to grow. Yes, it's been a great week for me. Benji and Grace, praise the Lord, on Tuesday, we have our first grandson. And I went down to see Cedar. And I'm like looking at him, and I didn't say, hey, dude, if you're serious about being alive, get out of that stinking crib and run. (laughs) He can't even crawl. Let somebody hold you. Let somebody nurture you. Hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. And I think a lot of times people buy into a wrong concept of the gospel that, hey, I, I, I got saved, man. I got to get after it. No, we want to help you learn who you are in Christ. Develop a spiritual growth plan. Learn the unforced rhythms of his grace. Come on. One step at a time. Saying, hey, man, I just got to do one thing at a time. Here's another one. Eliminate the mindset that you've got to be perfect. You know what jacks with a lot of people? Is they're like, well, man, since I give my life to Christ, I thought I'd quit cussing overnight. Mm. Some of y'all have been saved for 40 years. I thought you'd give it up by now. But no. Uh, (laughs) But here's the deal. Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> but here's the deal. There is a thing called progressive sanctification. As soon as I get saved, salvation is a one-time encounter. But sanctification, it's progressive. I'm growing, and I'm growing, and I'm growing. But that is not an excuse to say, I'm, I'm, I'm living in sin because I'm progressing. I'm, I'm progressing. God's already convicted. Some of you sitting in this room, man, you got to deal with this and you ain't dealt with it. So progressive sanctification means I give myself permission to go, ah, man, that doesn't honor God. The Holy Spirit blows the whistle in a situation. The peace of Christ is being interfered with. And he goes, stop that. Look in here. Yes, I'm growing. Here's another one, huge, Kara. Confront your fears. One of the things that hinders people. And their growth that causes them to stay on the stinking couch, on the sidelines, and do nothing is they haven't itemized and confronted their fears, their worries, and their anxieties. Some people live a life of fear. You've got to confront it by faith. Here's what God says. And there's a lot of people that allow the enemy to get in their head and take them out of the game because they get scared. I I, I can't do that. I'm scared of airplanes. No, you're scared of not being in control. Scared of airplanes. What's there to be scared of? I'm scared of driving in traffic in downtown Atlanta. For real? Mike, we hear this all the time. People go, I, I couldn't do that, man. I'm, I'm scared. Well, what kind of food are they going to have if I were to go down to the Dominican or down to Mexico? Don't worry about it. You'll figure out something to eat. You ain't going to stink and die. You got room to lose about 40? Come on. Maybe a parasite will be God's will for you, brother. No, come on. <laughs> be careful, Esposito. Come on. Come on, brother. I've been around you. Hey, here's, here's a big one, though, for real. A lot of people are scared, and they won't get involved in it, though, for real. Here, here's a huge one for me. You take this one thread right here out of my life and my garment falls apart memorize the word of god you read it you study it you meditate memorize it if you took that one thread out of my life pretty much my marriage my parenting everything i do would start to unravel because the word of god is the thread woven throughout everything i do the truth of god's word The Rama sayings of God. I've got one thing I hold in my hand and in my heart every day that's offensive and doing battle with the enemy. It's the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. You want to overcome laziness, apathy? You start reading and memorizing scripture and God goes, get in the game. Go share your faith. Overcome your fears. Overcome your doubts. here's, Here's the last one. Get involved in a small group. Get involved and allow others to walk alongside of you in the journey. I've had mentors over the years, and I still have mentors in my life people that I lean into. When we get ready to do messages, Nick, Dustin, myself, Rick, oftentimes this week we were sitting there collaborating. Hey, what do you think? And we spend time together. They're my friends and they're my brothers. And we want to make sure we're representing the heart of God and the scripture accurately. When I first got saved, Walter put his arm around me. Walter's got dementia right now. He's kind of slipping. But that brother put his arm around me and started walking with me when I first got saved. I'll never forget him. 1986, Jimmy, he's with the Lord now. He put his arm around me when I was in A with the Astros as our chapel leader. And Jimmy, man, we'd go to prayer breakfasts, and we would do things together. He helped me. And I've had people like Tom and people like Crawford and so many other people over the years that I go, hey, I need help. I know each and every one of us, we need it. Jesse, you need it. Jonah, you need it. Tyler, you need it. All of us need godly people walking alongside that we can bounce off of. Mike Esposito's been in ministry for years. Guess what? He's still got people that he views as mentors that he will go, hey, man, I need to talk through this. Get in a small group. Start to do life with others. Allow people, the people of God that are walking with God, to encourage you. Hey, we want to see you flourish. We don't want to see anyone apathetic, lazy, lethargic, living a slothful life, just sitting on the sidelines. Get in the game. Here's some basic principles that will help you overcome a life of laziness. I looked at the fields, preached a sermon, take a nap here, take a nap there. Take a day off here, take a day off there. You know what the end result is? Poverty and pain and shame. Jesus invites us to know him. Jesus invites us to be clothed with righteousness and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus invites us to take the mind of Christ and the peace of God wherever we go. Once we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, the game changes. I encourage you. Get it right. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series, so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web, or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.